You're listening to Freed on Business, the longest-running talk show in South Florida. Now, back to your host, Jim Freed. We're here today with Miami, City Miami activist Elvis Cruz. We're meeting him in Morningside Park uh, as he's doing his periodic maintenance of the Palmaritum that he has developed. Uh, welcome to the show, Elvis. Hi, Jim. Good morning, good afternoon, good to see you. Here we are. <laughs> so, Elvis, uh, what prompted you to become an activist in the city of Miami? It began in July of 1980. The city wanted to upzone a piece of single-family land in Morningside, and I went to the city commission with a petition, and I read it and saw that they hadn't even heard me. They were basically ignoring me, reading magazines up on the dais, and I knew we were in trouble. So ever since then, I've been kind of looking after things. Well, Elvis, um, you know, we're here in Morningside Park. Morningside Park is a very famous historic park here in the city of Miami. What can you tell me about the recent history of Morningside Park that makes it somewhat newsworthy? Uh, Yeah, it's been in the news because um, there's a swimming pool. It's been here since the park was built in 1953, and it's been out of commission for four years. It's a sad case of uh, neglect, which is pretty common in the city, unfortunately. For example, the restroom right here has, was closed for 10 years until we finally got the city to fix it and reopen it. The boat ramp at Legion Park has been closed for 10 years while it's awaiting repair. But in the case of Morningside Pool, rather than fix and maintain its facilities, the city has a bad habit of doing what some people call demolition by neglect they'll neglect the property and then they'd rather tear it down and build a new one at much greater cost than to fix the existing facility. And that's what they're talking about doing now. They want to tear down that pool and rebuild it in the softball field of all places. And that'd be a terrible thing because of course we'd lose our softball field and the city would expect the softball players and the soccer players to play on a common field at the same time, which makes no sense. Well, you know, so it sounds to me then like what they're really talking about is redesigning the footprint and layout of the park. Uh, how does that impact the world, uh, the once the once in a world uh, Palmaritum that we're standing in the middle of? Uh, the plans I've seen so far don't seem to affect the Palmaritum too much. It, the plan does show the restroom pavilion, which the city spent several hundred thousand dollars to make it ADA compliant and also run a new sewer line to it. Uh, They just finished that about a year ago, and now the city's calling for demolishing it, even though nobody from the public asked for it to be demolished. They would demolish it and move it about 200 feet to the parking lot, which makes no sense at all, but that's what's in the plan. Other than that, the Palmetum is, from what I've seen so far, it's hopefully gonna stay intact, although it might be threatened because if they, if they do that sort of redesign of the athletic fields, there may be a push to alter the configuration of the loop road, which would also be expensive and unnecessary. But all of these problems can pretty much be solved if the city just fixes the existing pool or, in the worst case scenario, rebuilds a new pool in the same location. And that's a real interesting compromise. The city has said, oh no, we can't build a new facility on the bay. Why not? They've already done it with the dock master's office right next to City Hall. Brand new facility in the exact same flood zone as we have here, right next to Biscayne Bay. So then, uh, I'm confused. Why 
Well, what do the neighbors think? What is what is what are they hearing from the community? Depends who you talk to. There's some people who think it's a, just go along with the city's plan, and there's others that say the city's plan doesn't pass a common sense test, and it's wasteful of money, and it would be harmful to the people who are using the facilities, the softball players, the soccer players, and that it's a, it's, it's a shame that the city has you know, wasted so much time and money with a swimming pool that's been closed for four years. They should have maintained it all along. It seems to me that this is a theme that we're running into because Pallet Park, just a few blocks away, has been closed for a couple of years as well. Why do you think, you know, you've been involved as an activist specifically with Green Space for quite some time. Why do you think there's been this focus on neglecting our parks? Uh, wow, that's a great question. The answer, in its simplest possible terms for your listeners, is that sadly, the city finds it easier to obtain money to demolish and build a new facility than it is for them to maintain existing facilities. It has to do with the way they count their money. They have what is called the general fund, which pays for salaries and maintenance, and then they have the capital fund or bond money or park impact fee money. And so, like I said, it's easier for them to get money, even though it costs a lot more to, to demolish and build a new facility, it's easier for them to tap into that money than it is for them to maintain an existing facility. I have another question for you. I drove by, I saw kids playing in the park. It's 12 o'clock noon right now. It's really hot, but the park's not, the park's not covered. The, kid, the, uh, the playground for the kids isn't covered. It seems like there's a um, infrastructure to cover it. What's going on? I, from what I understand, the cover for the children's playground area you mentioned was taken down for Hurricane Dorian, which was what, November, excuse me, September 3rd? At least so, a month and a half ago. Yeah, here we are today is uh, October 13th, so yeah, it's been about a month and 10 days and they haven't gotten around to putting it back up. What's going on with the tennis courts? It sounded like they were talking about privatizing it, but giving it to a nonprofit. How does that kind of work? Okay, the tennis courts were recently completely rebuilt, which is a whole other story. There used to be seven tennis courts, and then they rebuilt them and, and re, they, they changed the footprint, and they came up with eight tennis courts. And that's a whole other topic of why there's an eighth court. It has to do with funding again. But anyway, um, yes, and then no sooner did the city rebuild new tennis courts than they wanted to put out an RFP, request for proposal, to have outside uh, private entity come in and manage the tennis courts. And that did not go over well with a lot of local tennis players because over time it would, of course, raise the cost of playing tennis. This is a public park. And, Miami's not the most affluent of cities, and so uh, there were a lot of us that felt that the cost should be kept low so that anybody, kids from across the city, could be able to come here and play. But the last I've heard is that the city has kind of shelved or tabled that idea, and they've backed away from it. Oh, yeah, I know. I, I uh, learned to swim at Victory Park Pool, a public pool up in North Miami Beach. I learned to play tennis on the... Uh, monastery courts up in North Miami Beach as well. I'm a very big proponent of uh, public facilities because it is so pricey to play in some of the private facilities. Um, what do you think is the future here of Morningside Park? And then I kind of want to shift gears on you and talk about the city in general. Okay. 
the future Morningside Park itself, well, the park will hopefully always be here. I say hopefully because the city has a long history of doing things to parks. I can remember when Bayfront Park was Bayfront Park. Now it's got a shopping center in it named Bayside. I can remember when all of Watson Island was zoned park, and now it's got a pair of jungle and a, and a museum, and soon a high-rise with a hotel with retail. And I can remember when Bicentennial Park was nothing but a park, and now there's two massive museums in it, and I'm not sure what's going on with the proposed park conservancy and what that will involve. I can remember when the so-called FEC tract was, going to, was bought by the city specifically for parkland. And what happened? Well, that's where the American Airlines Arena sits today. And the land behind it, so-called Parcel B, was supposed to be a soccer field for the public. And it's been used as a parking lot for arena events ever since. And then, of course, there's the big thing that's been in the news, the Mel Reese Golf Course, which is a park, regardless of what other people may try to tell you. It's always been counted by the city as park acreage. It's zoned park. And now there's a super sweetheart deal that was cooked behind the scenes to, what, a low-rent deal for half of that golf course to go to billionaires. If they don't, if the city doesn't want Mel Reese to be a golf course, then just turn the whole thing into a big, glorious park. There's, there's no shortage of hotels or office buildings or shopping malls in South Florida. And as for a soccer stadium, that's a private entity. Let them use their private dollars to buy private land so they can make their private profits. You know, I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts on specifically Green Space, Morningside Park. If you don't mind, can we do another segment? I'd like to really get your input and and uh, expertise on some changes you think that need to happen at City Hall to make Miami a better community for all of us. Can you stick with me and do one more segment, please? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, okay, go ahead. Thank you. We're back with Elvis Cruz, a local Miami activist for many, many years. Elvis, I want to thank you so much. In our first segment, we talked about uh, Morningside Park and green space in general. Today, I really, I mean, at this point in the interview, I'd really like to get your, uh, call it your platform, that you think would be uh, operative for the city of Miami. If uh, you were uh, running for city commissioner, better yet, uh, if you had your way at City Hall and could ma wave a magic wand, what are some of the things that you think would be improvements we could make in our city today? First and foremost, the cancer at the core of our democracy, not just in the city of Miami, but all around uh, the country, is campaign contributions. Oh, yeah. So Miami Beach passed an anti-campaign contribution uh, ordinance over there on the beach. Candidates can't accept money from developers or anybody that does business with the city. And that's something we should emulate in the city of Miami. Because if you look at the list of campaign contributors to candidates, what do you always see? You see the real estate industry, zoning lawyers, developers, their minions, their surrogates, all sorts of shenanigans where they'll have, they'll own 10 or 12 LLCs, where they'll have all the partners in the law firm, each of them writing the checks. Uh, the outdoor advertising industry is probably in the number two spot. That's why you see all the billboards all over town. That's why you can't sit down on a bus bench in Miami without there being a billboard blocking the view of the traffic and the pedestrians and access, etc. So that's the number one problem in the city, campaign contributions. And for anybody to say, oh no, those campaign contributions don't affect the way the commissioners vote, I say that is hogwash. 
because those campaign contributors aren't giving that money because they want the city to have a nice little league program in the park or because they want the potholes taken care of. They're giving it so they can buy access and influence, period. Well, I think one of the big problems in this city is undue influence on our city officials by the Connected Insiders. I think you're talking about the way that that's generated. Yes, that is absolutely the case. And so then that's the number one problem. So the next layer in the onion is the reason those people give that money is, well, basically it's greed, it's money. They want zoning laws in particular that are to their favor. They want zoning decisions that are to their favor. And uh, the city actually did a study at the request of, uh, of the um, Miami Neighborhoods United and myself and they found that the city is currently zoned to allow eight times more housing units than were counted in the 2010 census. That is a staggering, mind-boggling statistic. We all know what the situation is like currently regarding traffic congestion, potable water supply, sewage treatment capacity, parking capacity, and perhaps the biggest gorilla in the room hurricane evacuation time. And yet what happens? You go to any city commission planning and zoning agenda and you'll invariably see several items on that agenda to do more upzoning. It's insane. Imagine what happens when the population is increased to twice as much as we have now, or four times, or six times, and yet it's currently zoned to allow eight times more housing units than were counted in 2010. What the city needs is not upzoning, it is downzoning. This is madness, this is insanity. It's essentially uh, the, the climate change as applied to planning and zoning. And it's not, not even really recognized by the city as being a problem. To the contrary, they, they're out there approving special area plans, which are far worse. It's like upzoning on steroids. It's total madness. I call that spot zoning, where they just pull something out of the map and just make that a spot and just zone it up without considering what's going to happen around it. Again, I think it's a, something we need to take a big look at going a huge forward. Look at it. Yes, yes. If you look at Miami 21, specifically section 3.9.1H, paragraph 10, it says that any special area plan has to be in character and scale with the surrounding area. And yet the city routinely ignores that and has allowed 24, 28 story buildings in neighborhoods that have historically had only two-story buildings. So it's that, it's that level of craziness that's going on. How about gentrification? What are your thoughts on gentrification? Wow. Uh, at this point, I'd have to turn it around and ask you, what is the definition of gentrification? Well, I think it's different in every place. I think every place in our city is under gentrification pr pressure from Prairie Avenue to Morningside to the roads to Coconut Grove, uh, east, North Coconut Grove to West Coconut Grove. Each neighborhood has its different pressure that's coming on it from gentrification. And I think that the number one thing we have to do about gentrification is look at each situation, house by house, then block by block, then by the entire neighborhood as we attempt to maintain the um, quality and original legacy of the neighborhoods that we've had. Yeah. It's a complex issue. There's a few different factors involved. In general, I, I don't care for a lot of what goes on regarding gentrification. Gosh, where do I begin? The system is set up to encourage gentrification in the sense that 
it, it makes it profitable for speculators to come in and buy housing stock, buy property, and demolish it and rebuild something bigger. And whether or not that's in scale or character with the existing neighborhood, in general, doesn't really matter to the city. And in those areas of the city where it should matter, where they have historic districts or neighborhood conservation districts, like in Coconut Grove, that's routinely ignored. It's, it's so egregious in Coconut Grove that they have actually, the city has actually allowed houses to be built that are completely illegal. They're, they're less than the required setback. There was an article in the paper about that. And um, there it stands, literally in concrete, violations of the zoning code. And you hear next to nothing about it. The city doesn't seem to be inclined to do much about that. Seems that the first thing, the f first way to start fighting gentrification is simply enforcing the laws on the books. That is, yeah, that's a huge problem throughout the city. The city does not enforce its own laws by and large, and it also enforces its laws very selectively. I've stood at the microphone at City Hall many, many times, for example, telling them this proposed special area plan is illegal. It violates section 3.9.1 H10, and it doesn't matter. I say what I say, they just vote to approve it anyway. What about the new proposals for the uh, waterfront? I think we've touched on it in general when you gave your opinion about Bayside. There's now a big uh, discussion about a Ferris wheel and filling in the FEC slip. What do you just think in general about the uh, waterfront in the downtown area? The waterfront in the downtown area was intended years ago to be one continuous green park from the 395 expressway all the way down to the mouth of the Miami River. And unfortunately, as you've seen, as I've mentioned, they built the Bayside Shopping Center, which to its credit is at least only two stories tall. Right. They, then they built the American Airlines Arena, which is total insanity because they've taken what should have been a glorious open waterfront space, an open waterfront park, and they've put an inward looking building on it. So when someone's sitting there watching a basketball game, there's no clue that they're on the bay. They could be 50 miles inland and they'd be looking at the same view of the basketball court. The uh, museums that were allowed, same thing. There's no reason that those museums should have been in that park. What they should have done was use the old American, excuse me, the old uh, Miami arena, and that's where those museums should have gone. Instead, the city sold that land at a loss. And, um, and now we've got this public park that's dominated by enormous concrete structures. That's a, it's a recurring theme in the city. They have this, this group think, this bad habit of seeing public parks, especially waterfront parks, as open space for construction sites for their empire building schemes. Wow. Um, we only have about a minute left, Elvis. If you were going to give a message to the citizens of Miami before the election, what would you tell them? I would tell them to, wow, become very informed and learn about the issues, show up to the debates, get involved, ask the candidates to pledge themselves to being public interest candidates rather than special interest candidates and follow up on it. Uh, email them. Email your, your elected officials when they do something really crazy like wanting to turn over uh, 70 acres of a golf course to private entities 
rather than preserve it in perpetuity as a public park? You know, it's, it's you know, we talk about green space as a uh, place to play, a place for water recharge, a place for carbon dioxide to be purified, but what a park really is, is a place where a community comes together. I think that we need that more and more in today's society. I see, I'm looking around, I see barbecues, I see uh, uh, playgrounds, I see people having fun and building memories. Isn't that what parks are all about? Sorry for the leading question. No, uh, well, it is leading, but I agree with it completely. Yeah, we're standing in Morningside Park on a beautiful Sunday afternoon, and there's families, they've got their bounce houses going, which is that little engine sound you hear in the background. <laughs> and they've got their little tents so they can have their family picnics and i've seen sweet 16 parties i've seen weddings take place why not it's gorgeous here absolutely yeah and that's what it's all about is it so miami residents can make their precious life memories that's why parks exist it's not supposed to be land banking for eventual vertical concrete schemes. It's supposed to be all about the people and the people's quality of life. Oh, I'm stopping you there, Elvis. You said the bottom line. I want to thank you so much, Elvis, for your advocacy for our community, for all the hours that you've spent on your stomach making the palm trees look good and sweating it out at City Hall when nobody else is showing up. Elvis Cruz, thank you so much for your public service. It doesn't go recognized often. We're recognizing it today. Thank you so much. We'll be back after this.